Welcome to The Good Conversation, a podcast by the House of LRNC. My name is Adam Connor, and today our journey begins with the story of our house's co-founder and president, Christine Day. Christine is retail royalty, boasting 30 years of building brands, including over seven years as CEO of Performance Kitchen, a healthy frozen food company, nearly six years as CEO of Lululemon, and over 20 at Starbucks. Today, we talk about Christine's journey to our new retail concept, her ultimate why, how she stays on a path of continuous growth, and how running a company has a little something to do with running. It's our debut episode and the start of our Begins Within leadership series here on The Good Conversation. So to kick off, we now present Christine Day. Hey, Christine, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Adam? I'm doing very well. The first thing I want to do before talking about the today is talking about what leads to today. I'd love to hear, and I know we could probably go for hours on this, a quick story, a summary maybe of what led you to this moment in time. Well, I mean, I think it's a lifetime of of small and big events across my life um, that have led me to really want to have a legacy that I lead and uh, leave for others and that I lead in creating companies. And I think it comes from everything about how I was raised as a child to um, to really the companies that I've had the blessing to work for. So, you know, companies like Starbucks, which is very purpose led, uh, Lululemon, um, which was, again, very purpose led and very inspirational, aspirational, not only for the people who uh, work for the company, but also for the impact they have on the world. And then, um, of course, at Luvo Performance Kitchen, all about food. Um, and then really a chance with Russell and C, who I'd known, I've known for about six years, um, having this chance to redo uh, fashion and apparel in a way that I know matters in the world, that tackles some of the underlying industry issues, and the chance to really build a new company that um, treats everybody with love, respect, and care, um, creating a great place to work, and then having great social impact. And, and I think as leaders, for me, um, it always comes down to us taking responsibility for all of our actions. And I think that's been the common thread my whole life um, about being aware of the actions and impact that I have and using the resources I have to really address underlying issues um, in the way uh, that I do my work. Through this project, we have been asking folks a very broad question boiled to one single word, which is why. We're looking for folks' ultimate purpose here. And while I'm sure it's difficult to figure out one specific thing, I would love to know, given that path that has led you to today, what are some of the watershed moments along the way that have led you to believe that you have an ultimate purpose? And assuming that you have one, what is it? I think there are so many. I mean, I, I could be on this podcast all day if I was to talk about like all the different moments that have shaped this. But, you know, I think for me, the why in my life is is really simple. It's, it's about love. When we love the people that we're with, when we love the communities we live in, when we love the companies we work for, when we love the environment and the planet and, and animals, like we don't want to see anything suffer. When we figure out as an individual, we can use our personal power and our gifts to make things better um, in small ways and big ways. 
you know, that's really what I think I woke up to across, you know, my life is that, you know, it isn't just enough to live and exist and go along with the flow. It's actually about the opportunity to build and create, you know, what we would classically call the American dream for people, but in a way that is good for people, good for planet, good for community. And that all really just comes down to love. And, and so I look at everything I do as, as really coming from that place of love. And that place of love had to be seeded and, and grown somewhere or perhaps watered on along the way to continue the metaphor. Is there a specific moment or two during your life's journey which makes you solidify those central values? You know, I, I grew up in a, you know, a big Irish family, right? So you've got two parents and uh, five kids and lots of cousins. My family immigrated at an early age from Ireland to Canada initially, then uh, back to Ireland, then to uh, the States, and then I immigrated back to Canada. So lots of moving, right? So especially as a kid, even though we'd moved the big country country moves, we'd also made a lot of little city moves. So I was always the new kid with a funny, you know, little Irish accent too. You know, you always, I think I became aware very early about traits, about being adaptable, about fitting in, observing differences, and also learning to be happy and in and by myself and with a broad family and, and with your big family. And it was the moments in life that count. I think what, you know, for me, um, learning on very early on that I was actually responsible for my own life and with lots of brothers and sisters that I was also responsible for taking care of people. And so I think that sense of responsibility, you know, came in very early uh, for me. I learned at a very early age that I actually could be powerful and take care of things. So I think that sense of responsibility and love, and it came from a place of like love and wanting to make things better happened at a very early age for me because of the move and being willing to embrace things that are different and not be like afraid, you know, of things that are different, people that are different, societies that are different. Um, and then I think later on, especially when I worked at Starbucks, traveling a lot and then working across Asia, I would think I was successful where other people were not in, in building Starbucks across Asia was because I could adapt culturally and was willing to listen and come from that place of love rather than like power or authority and able to find common ground. And I think all of those experiences and traits, you know, all add up and become part of, of who you are in life. But it did start, I think, at a very early age of creating a little independent me, so to speak, but one that then became very, at an early age, responsible for things um, and people in life. And that responsibility and spirit has certainly proliferated through the years into very large actions and initiatives. Anybody who Googles your name can see those. Part of that responsibility and doing as much good for as many people as possible, whether it be somebody in your family or whether it be one of the one billion lives that the House of LRNC aims to impact eventually, I'd love to know what that good means to you at its core. And maybe if we can peek into how you plan to do your part to impact one billion lives, that would be helpful too. I think for me, good is about doing everything you can to make the right and fair decision and to use resources wisely in the world. So it's, it's about everything you touch. And, you know, small stories like that for me are 
you know, when I was at Lululemon and we went out and saw, like, I think I visited personally 65% of the apparel factories we used. Just standing there in the front line and looking at the working conditions, walking the whole plant and manufacturing facility to see where, you know, did they control the pollution onto the river and or onto the oyster beds. And there was one factory where their dye room just dumped stuff right onto the oyster room. And I said, I can't use you unless you fix this, but I'm not willing to walk away without fixing it. So I'll give you, you know, let's tell me how much it's going to cost to fix this issue and get the filters in and all the things that we have to do. And I will pay for half of it up front. And then I will pay a per fee per garment um, to make sure that this is taken care of. And, you know, I think in the normal course of business, um, people would just either check that factory off that they wouldn't use it, or they would use it and contribute to the pollution and then maybe give, you know, $10,000 to a, you know, water cleanup fund or, you know, and it's, it's all greenwashing. And, you know, for me, the real difference in how we impact the lives of the people who ate those oysters and lived, you know, on the beach and they harvested those, how we impact that factory and make it better so they can secure better accounts in the future and giving them the money to actually take care of the problem. That's the kind of like thinking and responsibility and impact that I think that companies have to have where we don't greenwash our answers. We actually take care of problems in the way we invest in businesses, how we pay suppliers, how we create working conditions and contracts. So when I talk about impacting a billion lives, it's it's about all the way to the source and all the way out to how the consumer experiences it. I call that the values economic chain versus the economic value chain. The economic value chain is a theory that you're taught in business school about dominance. And, and the theory is that, you know, kind of use Microsoft and Intel chips as dominating the PC value chain. And so hardware software, you know, became less expensive than the Intel and the um, Microsoft Office system. But eventually what happens is you squeeze everybody out of the value chain and you cause collapse and failure. I think about it as, you know, the values economic chain where you live your values at every stage and you and by creating value at every stage, you, you encourage sustainability and livability and community at every phase and good economics. So it's sustainable. And so that's the philosophy that, you know, when I look at building companies, and making that impact, it's everywhere from the environment to the factory, to the factory workers, to the supply chain, to all the people that work at the company, the retail workers. And that's what we're really doing at the House of LRNC is making sure that we have all those practices at factory. But even when we start now talking about affiliates and working with our influencers and helping them monetize that and creating a whole new sector of employment and jobs, you know, so it's really looking at the whole chain and saying, how do I create as much value for people? I think that philosophy from Starbucks to Lulu to Lulu, we create healthy, profitable companies as well. So there's no sacrifice. And I think if you, you want to say, what are the things that, you know, make you angry, annoy you is when people live in this paradox of we can't do the right thing because it doesn't make money. I think, and I think we've proven over the years with all these great businesses that that's not true. And, and I think that's the responsibility we're calling other businesses to in the fashion and apparel world 
and really setting the bar for anybody who looks at it is you can have a profitable, great business that's creating value at every stage. You plan to lead this charge and through each phase of development, both in values and economics and the intersection of those two. I know that you have the acumen to see not only where you are launching from today, but also a plan for where you envision the House of LRNC to be down the road. I can't not ask you this about a longer term vision where you see this eventually going from this seed of creating new streams of employment and opportunity and how that extends while also focusing on where does that start in 2021 coming out of a pretty crazy 2020. I know it's a broad question, but essentially I'm asking, what's the long-term vision and, and where do you see that starting out next year? I think the, the long-term uh, vision of the company is really about building a house of brands that demonstrate that we can build sustainable, better-for-you brands you know, across a broad spectrum of customers and, and segments. So also by making sure that each brand speaks to a particular group of customers in an authentic way. So, you know, though that's kind of the charter from the product and brand, but it's very easy to see in these when doing it right that you, you know, you can build, you know, a multi-billion dollar brand. You know, it takes years to get there, you know, that's probably the the you know, the 10-year vision, but along the way also creating a place where people are respected and the jobs in, in my old mentor Howard Bihar says the jobs are big enough for people. It's about creating a space where people can come and do their best work. I define leadership as creating a future that would not otherwise occur and creating the space for others to perform and uh, leaving a legacy of impact. That's how we really encourage people to work and take on big projects and, and do it from a purpose-led place and a place of contribution. And you know that's what I think creates the most satisfying work environment for people. And when you're doing things you love and you're doing it from that place of purpose, it doesn't feel like work and you're more committed to resolving you know, problems and building relationships and, and you know, doing things from that positive place than you know, highly controlled companies where you don't feel like your contribution matters. And I view my job as mentoring and creating that, that next great set of leaders. You know, I always used to say at Starbucks, um, the legacy of Starbucks is actually all the people who come through the system and really learn a great new way to do business with values. Every job they do after, they bring those expectations with them. I think the same thing happened at Lulu. Um, it's happening at Performance Kitchen. And I think it will happen at LRNC. So the impact isn't only of our company, it's actually creating leaders and teaching them a way of doing business that I think will change the world. And I think that's the, the goals and vision of the company is to really raise the bar and inspire a whole new set of leaders to go out and change the world. This legacy begins today, not only with you as a leader, but with the leaders who agree with your philosophy and who launched the House of LRNC with you, specifically leaders in sports and entertainment. I got to ask about Russell and Sierra. How are they going to be a part of this? Are they going to get involved in some specific roles, do some creative direction, design? What do you see for them? I think Russ and C will always be involved on many levels. And, and the first one is leadership. 
right? So they're very united in the way we want to lead this company, the values of the company. They want to create a company that has those values and they want to play a role in that leadership. They want to be the storytellers for the brand and for the company. Um, and I think that's you know something they both do uh, naturally and, and very well. They both have a great innate sense of of fashion and a passion for it and, and an eye. And, you know, they really are in all in with us on the sustainability goals. And I think they can be spokespeople for that. You know, they still say, you know, you have to teach us all the, the technical things. So, you know, I think that's going to be a journey, but they're great learners and they, they want to learn. And then the creative on the product, they want to be very involved and have an eye and, and editing and curating and creating with us. It is a craft and you have to have experience, but things like the lifestyle photo shoots that C's been doing, she did a fantastic job with that. And some of the digital social media, you know, I was on the phone with her last night and we were going through inspiring Instagram accounts, you know, with Nancy, um, who leads marketing and saying, you know, here's what we'd like to see. And this is great. And, you know, how do we do more of this? So, you know, real active working sessions where they're part of building this and, they see this as a place where they want their children to work in the future. This isn't just an investment for them. This is a passion. This is a place to house a lot of their dreams and impact that they want to have. And they want to help lead all the great people here and build teams that are capable of leading and scaling um, and creating a great company. Speaking of that future, I know you've just said that part of the way in which you show up as a leader is to create a future that would otherwise not occur, to leave a legacy and to create a legacy of leaders going on. That had to come from somewhere. What inspired you to be that good leader from which that legacy would flow? Does it go back to the Irish family? Does it go to a certain mentor? I know you've mentioned one or two so far, but I got to get that recipe. <laughs> I think, you know, I have been blessed with working with a lot of very talented people, both as peers and and bosses. And, and then I've had a few bad ones, which, you know, the lessons you learn from that are who do you not want to be? And how do you, how do you create environments where that, those attitudes don't thrive? I was very blessed early on, obviously at Starbucks to work for what we called H2O, the two Howards, Howard Bihar, Howard Schultz and Orrin Smith. And I learned great things from each one of them that, you know, I assimilated into my leadership Howard Bihar was all about the people and people leadership and jobs big enough for people and how do we do the right thing. Howard was very visionary about the impact he wanted to have on the world and, and even down to the coffee farmers, right? And so that whole idea about how do you have the right impact across your whole system, the communities that we live in, the third place, the workplace for employees, giving people beanstalk. And then Orrin Smith was probably one of the best business strategists I've you know ever had the you know opportunity to work for and he mentored me you know there were times where you know it's hard work to grow a company from you know 400,000 when I started at Starbucks to uh, 7 billion when I left and I was in a leadership role the whole time and staying you know, and growing, it took an investment in me. And I was very fortunate to have a lot of people invest in me, whether it was sending me to the Harvard AMP program or the Center for Creative Leadership or Orrin Smith having me in his office at six o'clock at night crying because I didn't know how to do something. And he was willing to, to take the time to walk me through it. And, you know, it was such a gift that he gave me that personal time and expertise and belief in me. And so I think giving a little of that back and I also should mention some of the fantastic 
women mentors I've had over the years too, like Deidre Wager and Wanda Herndon and, and a great, great peer network of women that I'm still friends with today that came from that Starbucks era who've gone on to create great companies. And we still lift each other up and we call ourselves the leading ladies and we get together once a year and drink lots of wine. And, you know, these are women who now lead um, significant companies. So creating that network of support um, is really important. And so that's what I really encourage and, and hope to bring and be and inspire for the next generations of leaders that I'm now mentoring. You have been blessed with so many wonderful moments and people and growth from Starbucks and figures that you just shared with me to the people that you have been able to impact to these groups that have allowed you to enrich over time. You've just mentioned that it is super important to you. I can understand that it's super important to you just from right here and you say it. Is there a specific why as to why the growth is so critical in a continuous fashion? And then I have some more tactical questions about how you make sure you're always doing that. But I want to get a baseline. I think strong and steady leadership and growth where you have to manage the the upside and the opportunity and place some big bets, but you've also got to manage downside and risk. I feel like managing a company is a lot like playing soccer, which I played growing up. And it's not just one and passing soccer, right? It's not just one person on the field running around trying to score goals and everybody has to play their position and you need every position to field a good team. Rather than I think a lot of companies are really focused maybe on more one dimension, like we're a marketing you know, led company. Well, you can be, but that doesn't mean that operations and supply chain aren't critical parts of the company. So creating a whole atmosphere of general management in how uh, and teaching people to be general managers and to use and appreciate peer support, cross-functional teamwork, and um, the expertise of their teams and, and using processes like what we call the quarterly business review to share what everybody's working on, share the successes, share the risks. And here's where you know the hard work needs to go in. Here's how we're allocating resources and having that kind of open transparency so people know why you're making decisions, who's really having impact in their areas and why it matters to the company, you know, are all really important kind of like leadership business process is that we use putting people on, you know, on high develop, high development opportunity people on high development opportunity projects for the company of strategic importance is also really, you know, some critical way to help develop talent, give people opportunities to shine. There's so many, you know, pieces to running a company that ensure that you create great decision makers because you want people to own their decisions and understand the impact they're having with the decisions that they make. And if we can create that kind of atmosphere and teach people to be general managers and good decision makers, then we have good decisions being made at every level of the company. And my job certainly gets a lot easier. We also have good innovation and um, good outcomes at every level and good risk management, because when people feel responsible for the decisions they're making, if they made a bad one, they clean it up and or their peers step in to help. Those are just some of the more of the philosophies about how we work, why we do the things we do that I think are really important for anybody joining us to know. I also would say short-term goals for next year, which we didn't really talk about earlier, you know, we've done a lot in a year already by launching Human Nation, building the house of LRNC, bringing the Goodman team in and integrating everybody. 
So, you know, still lots more work to do with building basic infrastructure and completing that. We also have getting human nation into Nordstrom's and really building that sales momentum, proving out the cost of goods and supply chain models so that, and the DTC and being successfully at Nordstrom's, Kohl's, Amazon in our, you know, creating good businesses for our partners and building a great brand um, that resonates with consumers. We're still in the very nascent stages of doing all of those things. One of the most important metrics from the business side is having sales at full price because it tells you that your customer's buying it, buying it early, and they're not waiting for it to go on sale. So it's a must-have piece in their wardrobe. It means you've got your inventory right at all the partners and that you're not having to discount to sell your product, that you've got true consumer commitment to the product. So that's one of the things that we look at and not just sales. It's like quality sales, quality experience and good financials for the company. That's an important one, but there's so many more important metrics in terms of, you know, building, you know, great team environment and great company um, that we'll be looking at as well. Really, it's about getting ready to scale, adding some more talented people to the team, um, getting our systems operating and then building the strategic relationships we need internally and externally to keep the company on this growth path. Well, this is a powerful network of not only programs to ensure ongoing improvement, success, growth, but also a number of ways in which you are measuring the success of the organization commercially. I do want to ask about that on a personal scale a little bit, because just like everybody has those KPIs for their groups, their businesses, their brands, their lines, I think a lot of people also have KPIs for themselves. And I'm curious how you measure that success for you, how you maintain it. And even if you see that you are not always being the best you can be or being where your feet are, what do you do to get back on the right track? Sometimes I have to retreat. Like I just need that time to process and reset and, you know, whether in time away where I can just rest my brain, to be honest, um, and rest my emotions because everything we're doing is high impact. So, you know, sometimes it's really just scheduling that time off. I'm a person who's really pretty dedicated to taking all of her vacation time every year because I think it's really important to get that time away and just experience life and get a different perspective and clear your head so that you're emotionally recharged to be able to come in and tackle all the the things that we're working on. So that's really important to me. Family time is, you know, really in being around, you know, nothing's better than being with my sisters and having a good laugh and, you know, recharging emotionally from that place. And then, you know, I, if, if I don't go, you know, like I was out this morning, it was a tight morning, so I could really only do three miles, but, you know, my goal is to get out at least four to five times a week doing a minimum of two miles uh, to five miles. And if I don't get that on a regular basis, I know my life's out of control and I've really got to look at my schedule and, and do some resets and rescheduling. And what I do is I look at my list on Sunday nights of what is it only I can do? And what is it that I keeps popping up on my problem list? So who do I need to follow up with or what skills or resources is missing? What feedback is missing to keep those problems from not popping up? And then, you know, where is somebody doing a great job? So who can I give more to? So I'm always kind of assessing, you know, my own like workload, where, where am I not doing the leadership that I need to, that is causing my list to be too big. And so um, I think looking at it from that perspective and then what is it only I can do 
and those become my priorities. So it's that ability to reset your priorities and then you know, make sure that I'm delegating and following up um, with accountability where I need to be so that I'm not taking on the whole organization's problems. I'm building an organization capable of taking on the problems and opportunities. So it sounds like a pretty well-oiled machine here. You're always assessing your own personal performance. You have ways to remedy it. You have ways to refresh and to reset. And so now I want to ask a question about resources as I begin to round out our conversation today. Listeners and followers of the House of LRNC will look to this company as not only affecting 1 billion lives positively, but also being profitable in a good way, as you've mentioned. They're also looking to your story, not just through this conversation, but through the things that you are going to do with this brand and in partnership with Russ and C and everybody else. Now, this listener is also looking to develop their own strong leadership skills, their own personal LR and or C, perhaps, and looking to folks like you to emulate. So to round out, I'd be curious, what are some of those great resources that you recommend for a listener to help build their Sunday night list or to help get a mentor or to help continuously grow? I mean, I think there are so many. I, I've been part of a CEO forum for... Uh, let's see, 14 years in the same group. And of course, people have changed over time, but that mentor network and opportunity, that professional association group where I can talk about, you know, issues, getting expert advice, you know, personal coaching is really important. So I think looking at, you know, your personal network, I think some of the best things I did was, you know, be like on the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade and, you know, what are the economic issues of the city and, you know, what, what can the business community do about it? And so, you know, being that community leader and involved in, in the local things that give you different perspectives than maybe just the experiences you're having, being on nonprofit boards, being on the board of another company, learning governance. I think the thing that got me ready, the most ready to be a CEO um, of anything I did was, besides obviously the skills I built, was actually being on a board of a public company and learning governance and, you know, being accountable to shareholders. So that really helped, you know, create that expertise for me. Then I think, you know, that friend network, staying connected, um, we have more tools to do it today with things like Facebook and LinkedIn and, um, you know, to create your own professional network of, of resources and staying connected is, is so important. And then I'm, you know, I'm a huge reader, devour almost everything that comes through. So I'm always learning. And then I think the other thing is whatever business you're involved in, be out there and see the customer, be on the front lines, whether in, you know, in Performance Kitchen, it's I walk the grocery store aisles. No one will go to a grocery store with me anymore because I tend to interview, you know, customers, which is harder now with COVID. But why are you buying that? What's in that? You know, I look at all the new stuff that's on there. I read the trade journals. You know, you have this opportunity to go really deep. Stand in a Starbucks store when, you know, you work for Starbucks, you know, ask the barista what they're experiencing. What are their biggest problems? What's the stupidest decision you made this, you know, that you think management made? And, you know, so it's that listening and learning and observing at the front line of whatever you're doing. It's like what C and I were doing last night, going through Instagram accounts for like inspiration. What's the competition doing? There's so many ways to build your skills and, and networks that, you know, it's really 
about managing your time and your effort and making those commitments to bring some of those other outside resources in. It's also education, doing things like the Center for Creative Leadership, doing you know the, the business courses and strengthening yourself in some of those other areas so that you're bringing more tools to your game every day. And undoubtedly, one of the resources that these listeners will use as they develop their own journeys will be this conversation right here to learn a little bit from you. Even in this half hour, though we could have gone for hours, I appreciate the time that you were able to give and share your story and your perspective with us. So, Christine, thanks so much for joining. Thank you so much. And thank you again, Christine, for your insights here. We hope you, the listener, have learned a little bit more about leadership, and hopefully you can take some inspiration from her story, whether you're building a business or simply on a path to personal growth. And with that, we hope you also enjoyed our debut episode of The Good Conversation and the first of our Begins Within series. Here's how we can keep the conversation going. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The House of LRC, and you can email us to info at thehouseoflrc.com. Let us know your ultimate why and how you keep growing each and every day. We might just read it out loud right here. For now, we'll sign off until the next time. And in the meantime, I'm Adam Connor reminding you to love powerfully and move purposefully.